You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel on your 3CR community radio. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the Environmental Film Festival Australia's focus on Indigenous perspectives on climate, ecology, culture and custodianship with EFFA Presents Sovereign Cinema. And we've got Sonia Hammer here to tell us all about it. G'day, Sonia. How are you? Uh, g'day. Yeah, kia ora. Great to be here. Yeah, great. Um, so this is actually a, a fascinating approach because there's a lot of films out there, isn't there, with voice, giving voice to Indigenous people's views on what's going on in the world. Yeah, true. There are um, there are a lot. And what we've decided to do is uh, select a, a good selection of uh, short films and one feature um, which is made by, uh, all these films are made by First Nations people, uh, looking at um, climate justice, I guess, climate change, and how it's affecting, uh, affecting themselves. Well, it's, there's a cross-section of uh, films here that are not just Australian, but uh, or so-called Australia, but uh, also other other people's voices from other places. And uh, at 3CR, we're quite aware that um, uh, the First Nations battle is an international battle, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Um, it's, it's good to have a good cross-section of films from around the world. Um, for example, we've got a couple of films from um, uh, Sami people, people nations. Um, from Northern Europe, you know, parts of um, traditional parts of Norway and places like Sweden, which are still inhabited by Indigenous uh, Sami people. So getting people who are Sami to make films that uh, look at their experience as, as First Nations and how climate is, and climate change is affecting them. It's been great to, to get some... Um, a couple of films as an example to show for the, for the festival. So, yes. Well, it's it's interesting that in particular, that one in particular uh, points out something about how uh, they these people are seeing the world in a completely different way. Exactly, yes, exactly. Um, for example, the Sami one, uh, which one of them is uh, made by a Sami woman, um, and good earlot, um, or good pasture, 
and it just talks about her own family and their experience of um, being um, uh, animal husbandry to do with the reindeer, and they follow the reindeer and traditional methods of, of you know hunting and animal husbandry and just how climate affects them and COVID and how that's also impacted them um, in the last couple of years. So having that perspective is, is yeah, amazing, actually. But it's also uh, this uh, very personal, as uh, the messages that are very personal but also have uh, resounding um uh, larger messages involved, like the story uh, Pilika Mo'o from uh, uh, it really heart rendering. Uh, it, it talks about a large settlement, uh, settler owned corporation destroys their familial burial grounds to make way for development in inverted commas. That is so shocking, yeah, yeah. And um, the, the thing about that film, too, is um. You know, getting getting those sorts of um, uh, those you know uh, stories from places like Hawaii, which is an occupied uh, you know country, sovereign country, uh, for the Kanaki Maoli people, the Native Hawaiian people. But hearing that, you know, seeing that perspective is quite unique, and also it um it also looks at how Hollywood. And the Hollywood film versions of Hawaii have um, has impacted them too, and losing their burial grounds, their sacred burial grounds, and uh, what they have to do to try and uh, rescue it to reclaim it. It's a huge uh, company. It's, it's really, um, yeah, a lot of food for thought there. Oh, well, it's a, a very similar in a way to the Australian uh, film uh, Wabuda Bununu Water Shield, yeah. in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, um, Wabuda um, Bununu uh, Water Shield uh, is is amazing because um, it's actually um, it's a film within a film, basically too, which is really interesting. Like a look at a documentary that the uh, people themselves made. Um, the Aboriginal people that community made years before, years earlier, and looking at how water um, has been impacted from mining and how it still um, it still is impacted by them and uh, what mining has done. And it's really interesting to see a young filmmaker, a young Aboriginal filmmaker, he's taking up that mantle, you know, and um, pushing forward to, again, try to reclaim and... and um, try to protect his people's uh, water and, and their song line, which is essentially, you know, such an important part of their uh, culture. That, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a number of the shorts. There are other shorts as well. Um, and there's this fascinating um, f- uh, feature called The Scattering of Man. I, I don't know how to say that in language, uh, but it's from t- uh, from Canada or... Canada is actually turtle. What what what's the name of the indigenous name of Canada? Um, well, the indigenous name of Canada. It really depends on what you know, what different tribe you're looking at, different nation. But I guess in general, we call it uh, that part of the world, Turtle Island. And yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. This is the um, uh, debut feature of Scattering of Man by. 
Sake Dene, or Dene, uh, First Nation um, person, Luke uh, Gleeson, and just looking how, and again, uh, it really does echo things that are experienced that are happening everywhere in the world. It has been happening everywhere. First Nations people looking at the development of a hydroelectric uh, power project and how it's affecting uh, his people in what's known as British Columbia in Canada. And just, um, you know, the havoc that's been caused due to damming and um, uh, just how that has taken away and so much land, traditional land, and the flooding that's affected them in that area. Um, yeah, the far Kine uh, people and how it's displaced them. So due to that, so I think, I think yeah, in general, really get a sense of um, happening in a, that microcosm, but it's happening in, or it has been happening, like I say, so many First Nations uh, communities. Well, well, it's uh, it's actually the um, placing together two uh, mammoth mythologies because uh, the whole of the um, uh, Western civilization's uh, story is around the pretense that uh, development and technology is the saviour, the only the only path. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's that's the issue there, isn't it? That colonisation somehow rescued uh, people and uh, rescued communities from, you know, from uh, unsophisticated or somehow rescued them uh, from their own, um, I guess, their own uh, destiny, really. Yeah. Uh, what we now know um, globally is that uh, quite the opposite, really, um, and how colonisation, imperialism have led to these disasters, these natural disasters in many cases, and the exclusion of First Nations people from having um, having the, the right to, um, you know, command and take um, take hold of their own future. And well, actually, that, that leads to the last two uh, uh, shorts, which Swimming Yesterday, Australia... Uh, from Australia yeah. and veins of country Australia. Th- these these talk directly to that issue. Yes, true. Um, when you say, um, uh, well, the great thing is it's that um, amazing and the world's oldest known um, man-made structure, the um, Nuhu um, uh, fishing trap. So in New South Wales, incredible... Um, structure, incredible piece of culture, and um, food sovereignty in itself, and uh, still being used today uh, for fishing by communities there. So swimming yesterday is very personal, but also has that real sense of urgency about protecting these um, significant cultural structures that inherently are still vital and are still used by people. Shows that there's that continuation, and that's something that I think we're still learning. So, so Sonia, how did you get involved in pu- pu- pulling this uh, project together? Um, well, look, I've been a volunteer uh, because it is a volunteer, 100% volunteer organisation effort. Um, 
So I've been a programmer, uh, selector of films, for for a couple of years. And um, I myself am a First Nations person from Aotearoa. So for me it was quite personal. And I felt it was time we brought something together. Excuse me, I'm just going to cough. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> cough away, cough away. So the um, Sovereign C- Cinema is going to be s- Saturday, 10th of December. It's at Acme, and there's a, a, a s- three different um, uh, sessions that people can be part of. 3 p.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll tell them the practicalities. Th- 3 p.m. Sovereign Shorts, 10, 5, 10 p.m. Sovereign Shorts, 2. And then 7.20pm is going to be the feature, The Scattering of Man. So you could go to all of them or you could uh, – and you can get a pass and you can um, also go to individual sessions depending on how um, pushed you are um, for uh, – on that Saturday, on the 10th at Acme, right? That's correct, yep. Mm-hmm. And so, – um, mm, Sorry? Yeah, so from 3pm on – yeah, that's right. And EFA will donate five percent of all ticket income to pay the rent. Which, uh, if you want to pay the rent, you can go to www.paytherent.net.au. But uh, get your tickets from Acme, right? Excellent. Yep, just get on there. And um, yes, we also would love people to yeah to come along and uh, share their experiences too if they have them. Um, we actually have a Talanoa, which is like a speaking circle, um, around about one o'clock earlier in the day, but we'll certainly put more information online for that. Okay. So oh. come along. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you very much, and thanks for Thank your work. You. <laughs> Sorry about the coughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> it, that's what's good about uh, um, doing things over uh, the phone, <laughs> especially in COVID times. <laughs> Have a good day. Okay. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Crime Scene Australia, it's not just an ordinary comic. How would you describe this comic, Charlie? It's a comic book for adults. We're taking Australian history turning it on its head and making it real history. It's funny and it's dark. It's supernatural. We're going to launch the comic. Robbie and I will both be there from 6 o'clock. Carol Carpenny from Us Mob playing a bunch of songs. We do a bit of a smoking ceremony to bring everybody in. To all the listeners out there, if you're interested in coming along, it's Thursday, the 1st of December, 6 o'clock at Wolfhound Cafe on Brunswick Street for Crime Scene Australia. When you know your history, you know you know where you're coming from. A 3CR supporter. You're with Annie on, on uh, Showreel, and we're looking at some things that are happening at uh, in the Australian film and television industry. We've just been talking to Sonia Hammer about the Environmental Film Festival Australia's Sovereign Cinema. It's a one-day mini-festival on Saturday the 10th of December at ACME, starts at three, a couple of uh, sessions of shorts followed by a uh, feature, The Scattering of Man. And uh, it's uh, 
a combination of unique stories, including documentary, animation and experimental, this cinema that reveals the resilience of Indigenous peoples and the importance of protecting ancestral connections to country. And uh, it sounds like a fascinating um, affair. Of course, Acme is a wonderful cinema to watch films. You can bathe in the hugeness of the screen. There's a couple of other things coming out of the um, Australian International Documentary Conference. Leading Lights applications open today. Now, you may not know much about the Australian International Documentary Conference, but it's a fantastic uh, event that happens in Melbourne uh, and online, uh, and it focuses on uh, uh, film non-fiction screen community uh, product as well as uh, support. And one of the things that they've been launching, they launched in 2018... Uh, was a thing called uh, Leading Lights. Uh, it is a um, an initiative which uh, um, is part of the uh, AIDC's philanthropic funding program, uh, supporting emerging Indigenous and or culturally and linguistically diverse screen creatives to establish themselves as part of Australia's non-fiction screen community. And what they do is provide um, uh, uh, the ability to uh, for different uh, people who apply for this to be able to come to the Australian International Documentary Conference. And uh, there's... Uh, so Vic Screen um, finances five passes and... Uh, uh, CJZ and Fremantle Australia, two passes. Uh, Tilt uh, Media and Entertainment and Redigate Films and Chemical Media, one pass each. And Paul Weingard, three passes. So basically they're uh, hoping that you, uh, if you fall into those categories, will involve yourself by uh, going to Leading Lights page on their AIDC website and uh, find out all about it. Uh, it's got all the information, and uh, uh, the uh, conference is absolutely fantastic, actually. It's a fantastic and interesting uh, conference, which I've covered over a number of years. They get uh, people from international uh, practitioners of the non-fiction world, and they uh, get, uh, they've get. they also got... Uh, um, they ha- so it's a, a fantastic place for people who are interested in trying to make documentary films to uh, meet older practitioners who are incredibly supportive um, and uh, they range from people who are just beginners to people who are really at the the zenith of their careers. Fantastic stuff. Um, and everybody is uh, incredibly uh, um, skilled as well as incredibly generous, extraordinary uh, industry-focused uh, uh, event uh, so if you're interested and you fall into the category of um, Indigenous or uh, um, linguistically, let's see, I'll, I'll, I'll read out the actual line so that I don't get it wrong. Uh, supporting emerging Indigenous and or culturally and linguistically diverse screen creatives. So it's called Leaning Lights 
and Australian International Documentary Conference, AIDC. AIDC, go and you'll find out more about it. And to finish up the program, we're going to look at another initiative which is focused on young filmmakers or young or early career filmmakers. And this was uh, the VCA Film and Television. They've uh, made a, an arrangement with uh, the Melbourne International Film Festival so that all of their graduate uh, filmmakers and the product coming from these people are now going to be played on um, MIF Play. This is online, play.mif.com.au. And from December the 5th to the 18th, you can explore the program and stream the uh, product uh, coming out of the VCA. And I had the opportunity to speak to one of the filmmakers. Uh, she's made a, a 15 minute or so short. Uh, it's called Kotoba, and her name is Katie Miramura. And uh, this is what she had to say about her filmmaking uh, uh, project, as well as uh, the opportunity to have it being screened on MIF Play. So, Katie, uh, you've obviously just finished the VCA Film and Television with your uh, final year film. So can you tell me about uh, the making of the film? Yes. So... uh... Uh, I made this during COVID, uh, which uh, brought on some many challenges, as you might have expect. Um, my shoot actually got uh, rescheduled about three times, but um, in the end, uh, I used those uh, during the lockdowns, um, were spent refining the script and rehearsing with actors, which actually, in hindsight, proved to be a really useful time for me. Um, during that time... Um, I finding the right collaborators who understood the story was also really important to me um, and I was lucky enough to work with a number of um, first and second generation Asian immigrants um, who made up just over a third of the cast and crew on set which is um, such a fabulous working experience um, I had. So tell my listeners why that was so important. Well, my story is based on um, my experiences as an immigrant. Um, the film is a coming-of-age drama reflective of my own experiences um, as a 13-year-old Japanese, about a 13-year-old Japanese immigrant, sorry, um, who navigates through a new culture, a new language, um, and new friends with the help of a fantastical sheep residing at a local petting farm, um, whom Hina, the protagonist, uh, visits regularly for English lessons. Um, so it was important to me that the casting crew understood the story and um, what I wanted to do with it as well. It's it's often very hard to actually uh, retell such a personal story in um, a clear way. What are the things that you discovered when you were trying to get this down on film? Well, one of the things that I uh, found really helpful was um, during the lockdowns I kept a journal um, which involved my, my part of my writing process is to just write down um, experiences or memories that I had um, from that time um, and try to incorporate it within the film and see what sticks and what doesn't. Um, one of the most memorable experiences that I actually stuck in the film um, was uh, I had a friend in the first few months of moving to Australia um, who my mother and I thought was actually named Pardon, um, but after three months of very awkward conversations later, uh, we discovered her name was actually Amanda, not Pardon. Um, so that character <laughs> actually features in, in the film as well, yeah. 
Oh, that's so sweet, isn't it? Um, and also, I guess the um, petting zoo, it's a little bit like Charlotte's Web, isn't it? Uh, to uh, have uh, ca characters being the animals. Yeah, that's actually based on my experiences as well. Um, my mother took me uh, to the local zoo um, every week or every other week. Um, and the kangaroos and the lemurs were my first friends. Um, I talked to them. I practiced uh, speaking in English uh, with the kangaroos and lemurs. Um, and yeah, it was just a really strange and funny and embarrassing uh, few years of my life that I wanted to explore. You also say that um, it, it's the experience of a person, especially a child, I guess, coming to such a different environment with a different language mm -hmm. and, as well as different cultural mores. It's often the loneliness, a sense of loneliness and alienation, which is what you're exploring, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I found that um, often in films and television, the dramatic elements of immigration is explored, which in its own right is very important. Um, but from my own experiences as a seven-year-old, I think the things that I was most worried about was um, finding friends, um, how to communicate with them, um, the language barriers, uh, even looking different and having different sort of lunches to uh, my peers. Um, were what really stuck with me um, and that's what I wanted to explore with this film as well. So what was it like uh, doing, um, going to VCA and doing film? You obviously wanted to do film a long, for a long time. Yeah, so I actually grew up in Cairns where there's uh, not a lot of film culture, um, but uh, film and television were actually one of the... Uh, my teachers, I guess, um, in learning how to speak English as well as the kangaroos and the lemurs. Um, but yes, children's television uh, played a huge role in my life um, and I want, knew I wanted to uh, continue telling stories um, in this medium. Um, so I decided to move to Melbourne uh, when I got into VCA. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a really that's a really big culture shock as well. I should imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the other opportunity that's come out of uh, going to VCA Film and Television has been the fact that your film plus all the others are going to be shown at MIF Play over yes. December. So that's a big opportunity, isn't it? Yes, it's a really exciting opportunity. Um, one, I'm just uh, ecstatic to be able to finally share this film with audiences as well as friends and family. Um, I feel like we were supposed to make this film in 2021, so my friends and family have heard a lot about it but haven't been able to watch it. Um, so it would be a really good experience for them. As well. um, and um, it, it's just amazing to have a, such a massive platform like Miss Play um, to be able to reach wider audiences, which I'm really excited about too. So is it a 30-minute film or a 20-minute film? or a, what? How long is it? Uh, my film is actually 11 minutes. 11 minutes, um, I, yeah. Yes, from my understanding, I think the master's students have uh, 20 minutes uh, films and the bachelor films are around 10 minutes, 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which, you know, e each of the links uh, teaches you something in particular, doesn't it? Yes, it does, I think. Um, yeah, every film is so different and so unique uh, and I'm excited to watch uh, all of my peers' films as well. Thank you for talking to me. No worries. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And that was Katie uh, Miramura and her film Kotoba. Uh, you can catch it on MIF Play between December the 5th to the 18th. Go to play.mif.com.au. Explore 
the program and stream now. That's what they say. Coming up next is Published or Not. We'll go out with a nice, a little bit more of uh, Mia Dyson. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.